Hello everyone, welcome to Desolation Radio, Dan and Nath. Hiya. How are you, Nath? Yeah, real good. You okay? Yeah. I had a Shake Shack burger on the way here. Not to drop it in and like advertise it, but then it all went down like my trousers and stuff while getting you. Our new sponsors. Yeah. Thank you, Shake Shack. Um, as part, so today is part of our sort of continuing series on the Welsh economy, um, basically trying to explain, you know, why Wales is is poor, why, you know, why the Welsh economy continually lags behind. We're delighted to be joined by Professor Calvin Jones of Cardiff Business School. How's it going, Calvin? Not too bad, thank you. We have reluctantly, we're moving away from talking about Calvin's rock star exploits and his intimate knowledge of Irish boy bands <laughs> <laughs> to talk about the Welsh economy. So we're really, really grateful. And um, we sort of tried out, you know, we gave we gave it a go last week with, with non non-experts yeah <laughs> didn't work out good. Uh, so we're gonna go back to <laughs> relying on the work of others it's much better right Calvin one of the things we want to talk about and that you've written about extensively and I think I mean I don't think there's many economists that have taken such a critical perspective like you have and you, you've talked about like the role of the history in economic development so you basically said that you can't understand where Wales is now unless you understand how we developed within the British state, is, is, is that right? Or? Yeah, and I think Wales is a particular instance of this because we're so um, homogenous in two different ways. You, know, you think about the Wales of 1700 and it is utterly different to the Wales of today uh, because it would have just been rural, it would have just been agriculture, um, albeit different to how it is now. Um, and in the last 300 years, we've invented a society based initially solely on the exploitation of natural resources you know, coal and, and, and iron or coal and steel. Um, and so that has given us a particular kind of economic settlement, if you like, a way of thinking, a way of living, a set of communities, orientations, behaviours, which are very, very, in the valleys, industrial, laid on top of a very, very traditional agricultural outlook in other parts of Wales. So you've got, you've got two very different but still very economically oriented and developed sort of societies which themselves are quite narrow in the scope of what they did in the past anyway so like a lack of diversification within yeah and, and, and that yes and within within a British state which is much more diverse and where the investment decisions that, that grew those particularly the industrial part of Wales were made largely not wholly but largely by outside agents and okay. continue to be made by outside agents and that is, that's the difference is in Wales much less so than even in Scotland say but similarly to the north of England, the decisions about how and where people live, what they do, are made and have been made by people from outside those regions. Okay. Before I forget, you know, going back to the, the rural sort of period in Welsh history, did anyone ever used to think that animal husbandry meant marrying an animal? It doesn't. It doesn't, no. <laughs> my my <laughs> marriage is fine. <laughs> I used to think it was. Oh, okay, so... um, What does it mean? Raise farm, farm looking it, after. right? <laughs> looking after. Do look like, after them not, not, yeah. You know, just like making, not making them a husband. And it started, you know, one of the analogies that Calvin's used in the past, and one of the reasons why history matters. So if you're a football fan, you're like this. Calvin's written that in, if the UK regions are competing in the English Premiership, the same club would have won in every season since 1985. And the same three relegated in every single season. Presumably Wales is in that yes, bottom Wales, club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the same four would have gained Champions League qualification every year since 1992. And as you say, go all the way back, even like 100 odd years, and that would still be pretty much the same. Uh, yeah, probably 500 years. You know, If you look at um, what was the, do- the dominant city uh, of the UK 500 years ago is London. A thousand years ago is London. You go back to the Romans before London loses this kind of place at the top. And at the bottom... You, you look at, you know, certainly since industrial times, that there's been a real obvious core and periphery in the UK emanating from London and the southeast, okay. getting poorer as you get further away. And that hierarchy, that pyramid, has remained pretty static 
you know, Scotland's gone up because Scotland's played this hand very well, and like I said, Wales in terms of moving up that kind of economic hierarchy in the last 20, 30 years. Apart from Scotland, that's a really solid looking pyramid. And, yeah. and, and you know, think about this in terms of social mobility, you know, there is none. You know, <laughs> Wales has never, Northern Ireland has never, um, and the North East has never moved up that into that kind of middle strata, even of, of British regions. They've always been at the bottom. All the manufacturing regions in the Midlands have stayed where they are, and the top ones, the east of England, London, and the southeast, have stayed at the top. And Scotland, as I say, because of political, not economic reasons, has managed to push its way into that kind of club at the top in a way. And so to pretend that if we only had a few more factories, a few more skills, a couple more roads or railways, that we would somehow magically move up the league, just seems to buck history in such a perverse way that I can't see how anybody thinks it's true. So. It's pre- pretty depressed. <laughs> pretty depressed. Um, the only thing economic output and value added matters, of course. Right. Which it doesn't necessarily. Or, or it's not postal. So, out, we'll talk about GDP in a little bit. Um, in terms of this pyramid you said about the fact that there's you know, London at the top, you wrote about the nature of empire in the past, in this paper I'm reading of yours at the moment, and about in the past, sort of every empire, be it the British Empire, the Roman Empire. The sort of core, or like the big sort of metro- metropolis, whatever, would always use the periphery for mm. for goods and, and yeah. capital. So you said like, and yeah, yeah. So you said like in the Roman Empire they went to like Spain for was it wheat or things like that. Well, and then, Spain for stone, marble. Um, North Africa for wheat. You know, tapas um, in Spain as well. Yeah, tapas, Spain, yeah. <laughs> wood from Germany, from yeah. Brian, You know, so it's so all these physical resources were brought into. The core of the empire to build imperial cities. You know, mm. this this was happening. This was happening a thousand years before this uh, in the Middle East. You know, um, in kind of the Assyrian, you know, the Babylonian empires. Um, you know, in, in places a bit further east. So th- this is uh, it's a great book um, about the empires, ancient empires, the Near East. By guy called Marco Livrani, and he says in the earliest times of urbanization. You know, the core took people and resources from the periphery and gave them back ideologies. Right, yeah. And that's still happening now. And that's a very settled way that, that empires, and I use that term very loosely, yeah. and argue the American empires as similar things, uh, that's the way they behave over space. Is when, when you are trying to knit together a big kind of conglomerate of peoples or tends to happen is there's a ruling ideology which persuades peoples on the edge that they're part of some sort of system that requires them to give their resources up yeah. and take rules from the middle. And like, that's, you know, obviously there's there's lots of complexity in that. That's course. essentially how it works. Like a cultural control, in a sense. Yeah, like, I mean, and, and through, this is, you know, Like maybe through religion. It's, it's certainly been done through religion. If, and if you look at um, the way that the Spaniards behaved in South America, uh, the British behaved in Africa, you know, this, this idea of kind of cultural narratives, whether they're religious or otherwise, is, I think, really important. And, of course... My point about Wales is there are different narratives that apply to different parts of the empire. So, you know, the Welsh and the Scots were absolutely complicit in the building of the British Empire. Absolutely. And benefited much more from the building of the British Empire than the Zulus did, clearly. Yeah. You know, but yet, you know, the Welsh are not, are not necessarily seen in the same way even today as, as the English because they are culturally other. You know, mm. and, that, that, and there's something a little bit dubious and greasy about the Welsh from an English perspective you might argue um, and that, and especially that, Nathan yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sure it is um, you know the very word itself of course means something yeah. quite derogatory oh, so, is it is it Cumbrian Latin means stranger or something or foreigner or oh Welsh Welsh in Latin Cumbrian or, uh, it's, uh, it's not no. yeah it's, a, it's an old English word and foreigner and you know and, and so there, this is not to say that the Welsh did not benefit from the British Empire and do not benefit from the British state because the British state gives a lot of money to the Welsh and to the Northern Irish and to the, to the North of England and, and, and somewhat to the Scots. Uh, so there are benefits to being inside that national boundary. But my argument is you still get dependence. Yeah? Well, you still are in a dependent economic position where you rely on the very core, in our case London, yeah. to, give the rule, to give you the rules that tells you what's acceptable and what's not and how you can behave economically in ways which lock you in, as I say, to being in the relegation mire effectively for decades. So when we think of the British Empire and we can talk about the Empire a while I guess but the periphery we sort of think of the East India Company mm-hmm. going away or or the you know the, the Royal Welsh charging around Africa shooting Zulus and things like that and, and we think about the more obvious extraction of raw materials and things from Africa like 
precious stones and things Copper, like that, and, yeah. and tea, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, so slaves, yeah. I also thought tea, you know, is tea like worth like all? It is for British, obviously. But in terms of you said about the two different, uh, almost the epochs or whatever you want to call it of, of Welsh economic development versus like rural model, and then quite you know the, the industrial age, yeah. neither of which were particularly diverse. How does that relate? How did that relate to like the, the British Empire in terms of you know, Wales had role? That you know, there's a famous theory that we've talked about on the podcast previously internal colonialism the idea that raw materials were taken from wales and other parts of the uk to london is it or england is it simple as that it's 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 not quite as simple as that because that that you know certainly pre-industrially that the model was pretty similar for shropshire as it was for what's now powers you know um, because you had absentee landlords who owned vast swings of the countryside who effectively, you know, take the surplus off that land, you know, peasant workers on, on their extensive estates deliver surplus, which they spend in the gambling houses and coffee houses of London in the 16th century, you know, coffee right anyway. So that, that, that model was not necessarily a, a culturally specific one saying they're Welsh because we're doing it. It was a rural versus urban model yeah. um, because, you know, large, large-scale rural landowners didn't work the land themselves, they lived off the surplus. And of course, that that model of concentrated ownership moved not certainly not seamlessly into the industrial age, but some of that model survived industrialization in that you had people with lots of capital from their rural landholdings who were able to invest in industry when it took off. So, the the, the first industrial canal in Britain was built by the Earl of Bridgewater. I think it was a big rural estate. He invested in the new upcoming kind of um, industries with his old rural kind of land holdings. And the, the difference is, I think, that because the population of the valleys in particular was so sparse pre-1750, this was a this was a not quite an empty space, but a relatively empty space. Yeah. You could bring people into to, to to do one single thing, which is extract resource. Yeah. And that became an industrial resource coal, obviously, after the, the iron ore. And that process of exploitation, if you like, of, of the land and of the people um, on, then on the land is what links the rural and the industrial in right. that it's, it's and, and, and this is I think this is it's quite important that where where people live matters a lot and we forget about that as economists we don't care where people live but you know, if, if you are if you live in a place you have a different relationship to it than if you don't and I come back to the point that the decisions made around the exploitation of the coal fields um, or, or, or the exploitation of the rural landscape of you know, the home counties in the 16th century was made largely by people who didn't, you didn't live there and only visited very rarely to see how their kind of land holdings or, or you know, properties were going um, and, and that geographic kind of wrenching apart of, of, of your resource and the decisions that are made on that resource is what leads to dysfunctional outcomes or, or it's part of these dysfunctional outcomes anyway and it's true in Latin America you look at the way people behaved in Brazil kind of recent centuries and these big landowners moved to cities you know their, their land is not worked very well by tenant farmers with no kind of um, stake on the land who therefore don't innovate and they don't feel at home on the land necessarily because they get thrown off at any time and so you get people who just don't care what I thought was really interesting in, in your other in, in this same article but you were saying about how that's almost happened if you jump forward to the present day you said that the globalization has facilitated you know this what you say disengagement from society of the richest group of people you know who who are most of them a lot of them we see represented in our current sort of UK Tory yeah. government and you said they're increasingly unlikely these people to use the commonly delivered you know health and education services so they're not going to go to not normal comps. Yeah. Have, you know, they don't use the NHS. They private health yeah, yeah. healthcare. They don't never going to use travel. Never going to travel on trains, things like that. And because they're so isolated, you know, mentally from the reality of life in Wales or Scotland or any of the other peripheries, you know, that it's not. You know, they've got no. They've got nothing invested in it, have they? Well, I mean, this is the, and this is the problem. In the, in the trying to tell the story of Wales, you, you quite quickly realise that there are both social and geographic dimensions. This as well as cultural. So. I, th- I think quite a lot of what happens in Wales is pretty much the same as what happens or has happened in the northeast of England. And 
the same sort of dysfunction, social dysfunctions that we see happening in those places also happen in East End of London. You know, it's not London is immune to this. London's, yeah, of London's course, right. You know, hundreds of thousands of people in dire poverty. So you have to be aware, I think, that it's very difficult to have one lens for this and think right this is because we're Welsh yeah. or we're Scottish or is because it? or because we're working class because it's a mix of all those things but it's true that there, there, there's increasingly I mean obviously the US is ahead of us in so many things on this there's a strata of people at the very top who have become isolated from the rest of us because they don't use public services or need public services in the same way we do so they are increasingly you know, to go back to the boy band thing. Why, why should, why should yes, you know, a member take that, pay his taxes? Exactly. He's not going to benefit from any of the stuff he's paying for, is he? You know, apart from the roads, maybe he drives or gets mm. driven along. Yeah. So, so why, why should Gary Barlow pay his taxes for something that him or his kids never really use? Do you think from that a purely selfish point of view? Why would you just not just stuff it in an offshore account? Do you think that boy bands are now an in- integral part of that upper strata of society uh, a new, there's a new a new a new class fraction yeah a class maybe but for individual members of that no they in and out very quickly that's one of the only ways we've got you know the boy band of, of getting up jumping out of the class that we're well, in but even that, but if you look at if you look at where pop stars are increasingly from in yeah you're right social even, background, that. even that is getting close to that. acting is increasingly yeah, yeah. a bourgeois profession and that's the you know, and of course, you know, if you want to be all kind of um, ideological about this, you know, Gramsci would have predicted this a long time ago. Absolutely. You know, because, because this is all about influencing the way people think. And, and particularly, I think, for, you know, if you look at things like X Factor and so on, it's telling a story that mobility is still possible. Albeit. You, you for see them. it like um, in Batman movies, or like Batman as a superhero that embodies like that American system of America, how capitalism works you know you've got this person who's high at the top and he's achieved it yeah you know same with like um trump you know he's a businessman yeah. who's managed to achieve like the top the level. american yeah. dream yeah 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 his dad only gave him like a fortune when he <laughs> well there was that thing was there but i mean i don't know if we talked about this in the past but this idea that if paris i don't know how true it is but someone claimed that paris hilton sort of made more money off her investment by not touching it, or or is it rather that Trump would have made more money if he just left his money in a an account without sort of yeah. touching it? That he would have actually made more money. Yeah, one of the um, you talked about the you know the, this unequal relationship you know, that exists between what we've called peripheral areas like Wales, like Scotland, like parts of London, Northern Ireland, whatever, to the southeast. One of the the, the narratives I think that I always hear and you know I probably hear it as being Welsh or if people talk about handouts and in, just in the same way that people talk about you know just the way the same way that Thatcher individualised poverty you know like that's your choice to be poor yeah. it's his idea that you know Wales is poor because people don't have the right attitude or whatever and, and one of the things that recurs is the idea that especially on social media people will crop and say oh well you know see what happens when London stops giving you money and things like that and yeah, yeah. Um, we get half that story um, and so what do you think of you've written some interesting things about this idea of handouts yeah I mean it's it, it, it's, it's a horribly insidious thing because a huge amount of money, a huge amount of money comes across the bridge from from London you know, so 20 or 30% of GDP equivalent is, is, is you know, we're getting transfer payments from Westminster largely but of course on the flip side we don't own any of our own resources in Wales. So how can we be expected to earn our own money? You know, if you think about a wind farm on a hill, which, you know, um, maybe a few Welsh people might be involved in putting up, you know, driving the turbine kind of blades to the, to the hillside. And the farmer might get a small amount of rent for that hillside if it's a private farm. But the bulk of the, the money for the actual wind, well, all the money for the actual wind, Goes to RWE or Vattenfall, or you know, so it, it, it ends up in the pockets perversely of Swedish taxpayers, you know, for the one above my house, um, yeah. top of the Ronda. You know, the, it's not Welsh taxpayers getting that, it's it's not even a private company or this part private company, but that money based on Welsh wind, if you like, or Welsh water, we're talking about, about Welsh water, um, in, in the past at least, has, has left the region not to be reinvested here because the capital ownership or the land ownership is not local 
you know, opposite my house, the, the, the little patch of land opposite me is still owned by Crochet. You know, still, still owned by Crochet. You know, members family at least. And and because we because we think about the people who now live here, don't own the productive assets yeah. that are here. You know, for example, the seabed is owned by the Queen. You know, so so yeah. so, the, so the seabed off the UK is owned by the Queen. So yeah. when, if if you put an offshore wind farm up, you pay rent, pay rent to the Queen, the Crown Trust. So if we only have our literally our hands to make mm. money, and if, as we all know, hands are becoming less valuable over time because of automation and globalization, then the, we don't have the wherewithal to create the wealth which is sustain us. Because, because of, again, historical factors, going now to the 20th century, if you look at who owns the factories that remain in Wales over here in the last 50 years, it's not us. Either, either it's the Japanese or latterly the Koreans and other South, Southeast Asians, or it's British firms, which are typically headquartered outside of Wales. Mm. There's, there's only two companies in the footsie in Wales. Yeah, who, who, is that Admiral? P- PHS no. who, make, who do the, the toilets at the Philly and Admiral, and there's no others. So virtually all of the of the infrastructure you see, the productive economic infrastructure, is owned from outside the region, and all the returns therefore to that capital and the innovation that happens in those places leaves the region. So yes, we get massive handouts, but we don't have because we don't own the, the, the within region kind of infrastructure, productive inputs and resources, we can't possibly make the money. You know, if, if we had a, you know, if let's imagine we had a UK which had gone full steam for renewables and we had a domestic energy company which owned, you know, let's say all the Welsh landscape and the seabed, and we went full steam into supplying renewable energy, you can imagine a few billion quid accruing to Wales. The money would stay that. in Wales. Yeah, you know, but we don't have that. Because so, the modern we've got doesn't allow us to have that. So we, so we, we you know, is that what? For, somebody, for somebody who is in a position of wealth in a wealthy city, to compare with, you know, I always, I always say, um, you know, entrepreneurship is, is, a, is, is a really interesting example of this. You know, you've got two examples. You've got guy can guy walks into a, a bank in Guildford and he says to the bank manager I've got a great idea for a company I need a hundred grand and the bank manager says oh hi Johnny how's your dad and he says oh he's fine yeah and uh, I've got a money they say well I've got ten grand on my own to put in and my dad said he put half his house up and oh great yes well um, you know yeah. do your best to, to your dad when you see him and I'll see what I can do compare that somebody walks into if there was a branch of a bank in Merthyr you know walks into a branch of a bank in Merthyr says I've got a great idea for a, for a business uh, oh okay what's your name Johnny, where do you live? I live um, on Gurnos. What collateral have you got, Johnny? What does that mean? You know, what's your mum and dad do, Johnny? Well, Johnny, don't they? Yeah. You know, who's going to get the money? So how, how does, you know, if Johnny's got any sense and he's got a great idea, he'll start his company in London. We move from Earth to London, just like Julian McDonald did, to make his, make his way in the world. Yeah. So even if you do have really good ideas, really good innovations, really important resources, they get extracted from the periphery and grabbed by the centre, so, so it's not. It's London is like a gravity well. It's like a you know, it's it's, it's like a like a it's like a cannonball, you know, on a trampoline. Yeah. It sucks in it's like good a ideas, yeah. good people, key natural resources. Where you know, and, and interesting, not, not just London. Now it's New York, yeah. Brussels, and other places. Graduates is a good example. It's difficult to make this point clearly because Wales educates lots of non-Welsh graduates, yeah. but we lose. Between twenty five and thirty five percent of our graduates every single year to England. Yeah. So how can you possibly build a high value, innovative economy in Wales if a third yeah. of your most productive people are leaving every year? So that is, I mean, when you say that, you know, it's not just a one way thing of, of handouts like natural resources, as you say, come back not necessarily to England, but they'll go mm-hmm. to other people yeah. that own the the infrastructure, and it's, we need to pay attention to people as well. It's almost like an yeah. elaborate investment, okay. isn't it? I mean, yeah. you, I mean I, you know. There are only two things that really matter: natural resources, whether it's wind, oil, or whatever else, or you know, or, or, or arable land, and people and their ideas. That's only, everything else just go hand. Everything else is utterly irrelevant. Okay. Yeah? So, and the problem with Wales is not only are you losing the best parts of both of those to to other places, but also because in the valleys you have people who aren't stupid. They understand this is happening. They understand if they want to make a go of it in this modern globalised world, they'll probably have to move. You get 
disenchantment, disenfranchised people who can't be asked educating themselves or their kids because they know that, that even the opportunities of 50, like obviously when my dad left school at the age of 15 with zero levels in 1960, 61, he had his first three jobs, I think, were in three factories within walking distance of his house. It was tangible local employment. And all those three factories had gone long ago. So somebody now leaving school at the top of the Ronda with no qualifications, what do they do? Unless they can get on a building site, mm. you know what, they do nothing. That's yeah. what they do. Because because there's a class of people who are economically obsolete or obsolescent. We can't admit that, so we skewed around it in loads of different ways without admitting that you know there's no way that somebody in the valleys can cut their wages or accept a wage which is maybe 90% below what they're earning now yeah. you know, potentially earning now in order to compete with the Chinese mm. so that's if a, you can't do that what else do you do? it's nothing to do with ability or anything like that it's a structural yeah, but, problem but that, but that leads to a change of attitude yeah. you know I mean I, I grew up you know in, in the kind of um, the miners strike in the valleys and you know for a long period arguably ever since then the, the valleys have effectively been told they're not quite they're not quite British yeah you know oh, your unions are all a bunch of socialist communist you know terrorists effectively that's what I must call them the way you vote is wrong you're not, you're not entrepreneurial you're not enterprising you're not part of this shiny globalised new vision of Britain yeah and people in the valley say well right fair enough yeah I'll just put Jeremy Kyle on I'll sit down I'll ignore the rest of the world I'll do what I have to, to get by yeah and I'm not going to engage because nobody's talking to me in a language which says, you know what, we can have, we can we can find a square hole for you. Yeah, and that's a round hole. I got it. And that's a rational act as of well, isn't it? It's, it's just not... as rational as bankers screwing the system at the top, people screwing the system at the bottom, which is actually much less important. Financially. Of course, it is. Yeah, um, it's absolutely rational. Yeah. Uh, of course, of course, it's an individual level, but of course, dysfunctional at a social level in both cases. And then you get surprised then when things like Brexit uh, turn yeah. up. There's that documentary, The House I Live In, um, about sort of the drug industry in, in America and, and David Simon the guy who creates The Wire talks about depressed areas in the Rust Belt and he talks about young men that take up drug dealing and he says that's as, as rational an economic move as it is with someone who would have walked to the local factory yes. five, ten years ago because that's the local source of employment it's, yes. it's, it's, it's no different at all it's just one is but legal this is, one this is, is illegal I do talk about a little bit in that paper is um, what's acceptable is determined by people in the in the in the, in the, in the core. Mm. So it's perfectly acceptable, legal, and you can still hang out with the right sort of people while selling chemical weapons to the Middle East. Yeah, absolutely. But you can't deal in cannabis on the Gurnos mm. because that's against the law, and you're yeah. a naughty person. You go to jail for it. Yeah. So you've got lots of social capital on the Gurnos. You've got lots of innovative activity. Yeah. You've got lots of really you know quite interesting stuff going on. All of it's well, not, not <laughs> quite a lot of it is against the law. <laughs> Because it's entrepreneurial, though, isn't it? You know, I mean, and it's and you know, it's of course it is yeah. entrepreneurial in a way that's illegal. Yeah, you know, yeah. Argue, you know, people dealing cannabis, less the cannabis in on social housing estates, are fulfilling a clear market need hmm. in exactly the same way. Somebody selling how free market somebody, are these people making somebody the rules? selling somebody selling handcuffs to Saudi Arabia or tasers to Saudi Arabia? Yeah. there's a market need there. One of them causes horrific death, destruction, pain. The other one doesn't. Which one is illegal? Your Honour. Yeah. Cardiff. Cardiff Academy. Yeah. Seen a balaclava so the back of his bag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're gonna. Right. It's been absolutely fascinating discussion. This brings us on to you know well devolution. This that's a history. Yeah. Devolution was meant to change all this. Devolution was marketed as an economic dividend. It was. You know, people said, well, I think. One at one extreme, they said that devolution is basically going to make Wales rich. People looked to Ireland, which was sort of booming at the time, yeah. as yeah. our mutual friend discovered didn't last. People thought, oh, that could be Wales, you know. And at the other end, I think they thought, well, it's just at the, at the, at the very least, it's going to offer protection from yeah. the excesses of Thatcherism. Yeah. Yeah. So, how would you describe how that's gone? It's, all, it's offered a protection from the excesses of Thatcherism. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, we don't have. Some of the worst, you know, we don't have academy schools, we don't yeah. have competition in the NHS. All right, we've got, we've got mediocrity in some ways, but maybe mediocrity is the price you pay for not having yeah. this horrible kind of stripping away of public services that you get, you, know, you are getting across the border. Um, I, I think that the, the idea that a new body could undo 250 years of economic history within a generation even is, is, you know, is an, always a non starter. And especially when that body 
has almost no control of the economic levers. I mean, what matters, for example, is um, how much it costs to borrow money. Mm. That matters for an economy. It, our interest rates high or low, you know? And what matters is whether you tax labor or you tax land. Yeah, if you tax labor like we do, you get more people investing in land, mm. property, you know? Um, if you change that, you can change the way an economy works. Because the Welsh Assembly Government and National Assembly, Welsh Government, have had no control over any of those real powerful levers uh, of the economy, they couldn't expect to have made a difference. So they, we always set in it. People who argue that always set up the fail, really. Uh, of course, you layer on top of that the fact that the way in which, and, and you know, again, Scotland's done this quite differently and, and, and quite cleverly. The way that it's happened in Wales, evolution has happened is, effectively, because we're so dependent on resources from the centre, um, the it's almost like the Welsh government and Cardiff are an administrative outpost of an empire, or a, co- a colonial imposition, yeah. rather than being the apex of Welsh democracy. Right. Because if up until now they've been handing out other people's money. Because you called it a, a money pipe. Yes, and it, and it, and and, that, and that's that not their fault. But if you are set up to administer budgets, yeah, your budgets come from Westminster or Brussels, and you effectively become you know, your client. Are not the people who wage your client is the people who give you the money. Yeah, at the course. end of the day, the civil service money is, you know, their, their salaries are paid for by Westminster, and that's incontrovertible. You can't get away from it. So until Wales starts leaving its own taxes, with all that implies, and actually politicians realise that their core constituents not people, not the donkeys who vote for you know, people who vote for donkeys and Labour was on it, um, but but the people who might actually fill them out if mm. they don't spend their taxes wisely, then you might get some change. And, and as I say, you can't compare with Scotland. Scotland's a very different. Scotland's a country. Wales is, for better or worse, a region that's got a cultural identity. Yeah. In the way we operate, yeah. I think. Um, so it's not fair to compare. But if you do look at Scotland, you can see that that's always had a endogenous kind of self, yeah, bounded, self-aware polity, if I can use that word. You know, a professional class, a way of thinking about itself, which is different. Whereas Wales hasn't had that like a stronger right. cultural identity isn't yeah, it yeah and it's, and, it's, and it's not just culture it's, they've got a set of legal system yeah. so they've got yeah, lawyers yeah. who can make a, who can make a career in Edinburgh yeah. they've got civil servants who can get a really good career in Edinburgh in Wales civil servants have been hopping off to London if they're bright as soon as they can because the Welsh office in the old yeah. days was the death of all ambition and the Welsh government may not be much better I don't know I think wasn't it that you know they've got a university system they've got a few unis in the top yeah, yeah. world yeah, hundred yeah, and things like that it's it's just it's you know because they joined because they joined the UK semi voluntarily absolutely in an act of union and we were colonised four hundred years before that it's just different so the history again is important is it, yeah, it so Tom Nairn wrote this book and it, it or article I always forget but it basically says how we always compare Wales and Scotland and it's not an accurate comparison because. Scotland had its own, for example, uh, indigenous capitalist class, didn't yeah, they? Like yeah, um, yeah, they, they were far yeah. more had a far more active role in empire in terms of um, well, senior role, for want of a better word. And if, and if you look at Edinburgh, you know, it's funny if you go to Scotland, they've clearly got quite a lot of um, the same sort of tensions we have in terms of the Edinburgh English speaking yeah. kind of metropolitan class historically, having done down the Celts, you know, in the Highlands. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting tension as well. But it's quite. It, it's not about the English necessarily coming to Scotland and doing it, which it is a bit in Wales. You know, the English can take the best jobs and like internal colonialism stuff. Um, in Scotland, it's actually you buggers partnering with the English to do a step. Okay, you know? uh, yeah. that's that. I, I mean, I understand is that that's actually very much more complex historically than than the broad brush of it. But you go to Scotland and they have internal arguments, whereas in Wales it's always us against the English, isn't it? You know? Is there anything that you know the Welsh? I mean. I don't like letting the, the government off the hook for yeah. anything. But I mean, is there? I mean, is there anything they could? I mean, I understand. Obviously, as you said, the levers, the economic levers that you need to really make yeah. a change haven't been involved. Is there anything they could have done differently? I mean, I always think that they've been a bit too timid. I think they've got a particular way of thinking about. They, they, they have, and, and they've not tried any, anything at all different to the prevailing kind of economic paradigm of competitiveness and enterprise zones and infrastructure and events, you know, all, all the stuff they've just taken wholesale from, from London and from, mm. you know, Silicon Valley and not, there's no Welsh about any of that really. So they could have done much more in t- terms of um, bottom-up economic development, local economic development. But of course the institution is 
inherently insecure, which meant that devolution just stopped Cardiff Bay. Yeah. And it, it, the Welsh Government realises that in many ways it's a big local authority. So one of the first things it did and continues to do is is pull the teeth of the local authorities, make sure there's no competition. So That's you know, interesting. It, it, you know, despite maybe if Leighton Andrews is stating posts would be different, but um, you know, you don't have big strong local authorities with lots of power who can challenge the Welsh government. Yeah. All the same words, you've got the consensus politics of nineteen rabbits around the table with a polar bear. You know, so yes, they all agree, yeah. but they would, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, only, there's only one of them with the purse strings. One of them makes the rules. Absolutely. You know, so there's not enough uh, challenges. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's a failing of us as well in kind of what we might call civic society. We we aren't done enough to challenge Welsh government. There aren't enough people who are prepared because most of us are paid by them. Exactly. Absolutely. That's are that's prepared to stand up and say you were doing this wrong. Um, and that then gives license. And of course, you lay party politics on top of that, and the Welsh Labour yeah. thing is, you know, I'm not a party politics kind of orient person at all, but I can see how that that strong social kind of yeah, part kind of, of the party, like. yeah, that, that that link between the valleys and, and, and Labour has let the Welsh Labour part of the government get up, get away with stuff it wouldn't have done if it was a more yeah. vibrant opposition, you know, um, and the splitting opposition between left and right and words doesn't help in that respect. So there's lots of reasons. But also, I think there's there's something about you know if you go if you come back to Brexit the way people vote, mediocre people get a mediocre government, and unfortunately you look you look across um, many of the communities of Wales, and when I do work with communities in Wales, and have them in a variety of contexts, you often find it's incomers who are the grit and the oyster that make stuff happen. Yeah, and so we've got I say because of lots of historical factors, we have. Lots of communities that are developed to expect things to be given to them, you know, factories, yeah. mines, handouts, whatever it is. Economic history has, has delivered a set of communities um, in both the rural and the urban contexts, which are not fit for purpose. If you think that we need to be resilient, uh, have lots of different stuff going on, diverse, yeah. uh, you know, challenging, uh, prepared to you know let tall tall poppies grow, yeah. you know, prepared to like throw loads and loads of mud at the wall and see what sticks. That's not the sort of people we are. Mm. So in a way, our government reflects a, a, a country which is actually quite boring. You know? <laughs> um, from, a, from, a, from a kind of Marxist economic perspective, you know. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, I mean, culturally, it's, predict- it's predictable. So, but it, well, we are, you know. And, and if you, and honestly, I, I sometimes think if you if you stripped away like the language um, and and the rugby, and you swapped, you know, a city in the northeast and a city in Wales. How different would it be? Yeah. Oh yeah, just yeah. like looking at Cardiff is just indistinguishable, isn't it? There's, there's yeah, no like anything that's particularly and so, and, cultural. But, but that's not, you, you know, you go to um, some properly diverse, long-standing cultural regions, stroke countries like the Basque Country, or whatever, yeah. and it's, it does not feel like Spain. No, they they think differently yeah. to the rest of Spain. Absolutely, we don't think that much differently to the rest of England and Wales. At least there's a bit of a there's basically a, what I've argued in the past is basically since devolution is like a thin veneer of of Welshness, so there'd be Welsh flags. You know, we have the Six yeah, Nations, yeah. things like that. But, you can't but if you dig into it too deeply, no. there's different visions of Welsh under that. And if you strip it away, as you said, you're left with a capital city, which is essentially just chain pubs and yeah. things like that, with a smattering of the Welsh language on yeah. signs and on over in in supermarkets. But if you're a, a tourist coming in, you really wouldn't be able to distinguish between being in Wales and being in England. Certainly not in this. I would say in a, in a Cardiff city region, you wouldn't be able to distinguish between it. Yeah. And it's because, you know, if you look at who owns Cardiff, it's either public ownership, BBC, Welsh Government, uh, universities and others, which are very generic in the way they do things. Yeah. You know, the public sector in Britain is just very generic in the way it does things. Or it's, it's corporations that have no regional embeddedness. Yeah. So, you know, you look at the property development sort of, Sector in Cardiff, um, and you look at um, the, the owners of the and the operators of the office space, and apart from the Admiral case and one or two others, they, they're very, very kind of multinational British. Yeah. And, and so, it's, and you wouldn't expect that to give you anything particularly Welsh, then, would you? you know? No. Well, um, one of the things, one of the pillars that the Welsh government has, has relied on, and we've talked about briefly with, you know, with Mark, is, is FDI. Mm. And you've said just. Is that almost a continuation of the wealth being removed, or? Well, I mean, it's. I mean, it, the, the the problem with FDI and with investment more generally is that there are two sorts of well, it's a broad brush as an economist. 
there are two sorts of investment you might get into different places. One is market seeking, so that's Amazon coming from investing in Europe to sell books to Europe. Yeah. That's market seeking. And then you've got resource seeking, which is um, Panasonic coming here in the late 60s, early 70s to exploit Welsh labour or back and forth coming here now to exploit Welsh wind. Yeah. So you've got a resource in a place you want to take out. Right. Now the vast majority of the investment in Wales is resource seeking, not market seeking. Right. So it's here for a purpose to extract the resource, exploit the resource. I use those terms not neutrally, not value neutrally, I'm not saying this is evil, it's just fact. Yeah. That companies come here to extract a particular resource or in the case of nuclear to a community which is happy to have a nuclear power station on its doorstep or whatever. And once that resource has, has been extracted or, exa- or exhausted, they move on. Mm. So once la- labour rates increase in yeah. Wales or decrease in Czech Republic or China, Panasonic and so on, and they just go somewhere else. And because they're not here for any other reason. Yeah. Whereas other sorts of investment, you know, market-seeking investment, if, if, if Welsh people were um, rich, then you might get, I don't know, Ford opening a design R&D rather than an engine plant yeah yeah. so that's the difference in and the, the value chain of course is very different for those things yeah. so if you look at Honda Honda's F, Honda's FDI in California is in uh, I think they still got it uh, in R&D and design because mm. they know if they want to design American friendly cars yeah. they have to have an R&D presence in California Yeah. whereas Honda in Britain makes cars yeah. because they don't of course, sell the cars to Britain but Europe as well but it it wouldn't necessarily do any design certainly in Wales anyway if it was. and that brings us all the way back to, as you said almost the pyramid it's very hard to move isn't it from being like a, a branch plant or a place that puts cars you know yeah. builds cars yeah. it's very hard to move from being from that place to being a place where people actually design it which yeah, is yeah, normally yeah, hardly yeah, ever you know and, and the frustrating thing for me is I think that there, there is not has been an opportunity to you know we could have been designing and building wind turbines you know we did have a, a plant in you know uh, 20 miles from here that, that, that did wind turbine um, uh, manufacture um, and we could have been designing hydrogen fuel cells um, but but you you if you want to do that sort of thing then you have to go all in early and you have to concentrate your resources. And of course, the Welsh Government has spread itself so thin with so many different things, including the FDI and a bit of entrepreneurship and enterprise and a bit of enterprise zones and a bit of this and a bit of that. They do nothing well. Um, and so, you know, any winners we might have picked 20 years ago have now been picked by somebody else. <laughs> so now we try and pick the next generation of nanotech winners or wearable winners, or yeah. we accept that, you know, the only things that matter are resources and people, resources we don't own. We could try and buy some of them, give them to communities or whatever, which is happening to a smaller degree in energy and other places. And, and I think the only thing that the only thing we can really make a difference with going over the next 20 or 30 years is people. And therefore, I think the only thing that really matters is education. And, and really, finding a way to not do what we need to do now. My son is 10, and he says, Dad, I hate going to school. Why do you go to school? Because school's stupid. I said, no, it's stupid. But you know what? We live in a stupid society. And if you want to have a comfortable life, you have to fulfil the rules of this stupid society. I know it's crap, and you know it's crap to kick you out of bed at 8 o'clock in the morning to go to school to learn stuff that actually... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that much. But these are the rules of the game. Now, in Wales, because we've got devolution in education, because we've got an economy which... Does, is not looking for a lot of high-value, innovative people. We could bring down an education system to deliver, you know, I mean, I'm not a fan of city regions, but I would like this idea of, of having a vision for, say, the Cardiff city region, which is ecologically aware, yeah. uh, socially aware, and, 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 and really aimed at equity, looks after old people properly, looks after vulnerable property, protects public services, maybe has a lower aspirations in terms of material throughput so yeah. we wouldn't have iPhone 7s maybe you know, quite as much but then had an education system which really emphasised the importance of civic life to kids so that when they got to the age of 18 or whatever yes some of them would have gone and go off and yeah. be a banker but many of them would realise there was value in being a teacher yeah. in a valley school which wouldn't be shit anymore because we didn't lose the best teacher yeah. mm. or actually you could live your life caring for your elderly parents and be respected for it yeah. rather than punished for it yeah as, as, as kind of carers are now benefits scrounger, you know yeah. and, and I think we've got the opportunity to build that kind of coherent vision for the young people of Wales which is you know what we're not like other parts of the world 
global Britain, which is all about competitiveness and, and investment and mobility and stuff. Where actually, for people who do want to stay, mm. there's a there's a, there's a positive vision for people who want to stay, which is about civic engagement, public services, social good, inclusion. We could be doing that, but it requires giving up on the language Absolutely. of enterprise and entrepreneurship and globalised competitive region and all this stuff. And we won't do it. We won't do it. And actually, that you know, this idea of you know, creating a distinct well, almost like a new way of being and thinking about the world, in at least in one region, that could even feed back into this idea of making us even more different. So it's like a, of course, yeah. a, a virtuous cycle. I, you know, I, I, mean, I, I, I just think, you, you, know, you look at, um, if, if, if somehow we could find the way with all to build a two and a half gigawatt uh, tidal lagoon off Cardiff, um, and we had a fully renewably powered metro, yeah, and we had surplus power to, to, you know, to, to power the, the server farms of Google or whoever, mm. that's a narrative that at the moment no region in the world has. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, you have to find a way to make that happen. And at the moment, we haven't got the ability for lots of reasons to make that happen. Yeah. But without that kind of really big, obvious... I mean, you know, this, this school, I mean, I, I'm, I'm at the moment trying to do this for the business school, which is find this narrative, which is about, you know what? We spent 30 years or more listening to the voices of the rich, kowtowing to the voices of the rich, the well-off and the well-connected, and it's about time we directed ourselves to the voices of the vulnerable and the poor and the ignored and the invisible. You know, That, I think, is a really strong narrative, and that would find lots and lots of resonance with people who would want to move here and be part of that, companies who would want to be part of that, You know, who saw that as part of their kind of mission. There are plenty of companies like this out there. But it, you can't do it at the same time as, as business as usual. But I give stuff up. But ironically, I mean, you, you are, I absolutely agree with what you're saying, but ironically, I mean, I, I would argue the Welsh Government, you know, rhetorically at least, they already do market themselves as this sort of social democratic well, haven in some in some ways, but uh, but I, I, I think yeah, the actual reality is, yeah, is, I, I, is, I is, think, is different. And if, you look, if you look at things like the Future Generations Act, if that actually ended up properly with teeth... Um, guiding Welsh public services, we would be genuinely different. We would be much more social democratic. We wouldn't end up in a moving towards a, a, a kind of Nordic model because that's the implication of, of, of the kind of future generation stuff. But it, that would require the Welsh government to have the confidence to say, you know what, all this other performance metric stuff we've been doing over the last 20 years, forget about it. Forget about it. We, yeah. just, we just need to concentrate on, on these, these like seven goals. Only those. Only those seven goals. Everything else can just go happen. You know, and we're going to throw all this up, whether it's waiting times or you know, PISA scores or whatever. The only thing we're going to care about is whether, in our bespoke, internally focused, distinctive way, we think our public services are delivering for Wales. And that's a really big thing to ask. You know, we, 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 I think we, the, you're right, the language is there. If, if the politicians can have confidence that us, the people of Wales, given we give them the space to do that, we get off their backs for a decade. Yeah. Then they might, you know, then they might actually see some progress. But it, they have to have confidence that the voters of Wales trust them to make some radical choices in the right direction. And and that's a real problem. This is kind of almost like a it's like a low skill equilibrium where yeah. everyone's down the bottom, scared to move up there first yeah. because you're gonna get chopped off if you do. Because short I mean the short term thinking, well, I mean, ultimately Politicians will derive political capital from thinking short term, won't they? Yeah. They well, I, I've opened this factory with fifty yeah, jobs, yeah. which are low paid, low skill, which will only last five years. But that, that's preferable because, yeah. yeah, cut a ribbon, great, and then they can you know have a go at the rival or something like that and say, well, you've delivered for this region once again, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. And it's that the sort of hamster wheel, isn't it, of constantly yeah. needing to get elected and to maintain. But the party. I, I, had a con- I had a conversation with of this nature with, with, a, with a, a, a fairly recent um, Labour, you know, a, a Labour backbench had come into come into office in the last election, you know, and and he said, you know, oh, you know, I, can, I all this stuff about you know more ecological, you know, I got get re-elected in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Self-serving, isn't it? Like you know, well over ten thousand. <laughs> I'm like, well, if you're worried about it, what about somebody with a marginal seat? Like, yeah, you know? but but. He was worried he was going to get. How am I going to get re-elected? Yeah. But he's the guy with the, the donkey with Rosette on. Who's going to get re-elected? Well, does. Mm. But if he hasn't got the, the institutional space within the Welsh Labour Party to think these radical things, then we've got no hope, have we? No, absolutely not. You know, and that's the problem. Is is is, is 
if there's anything that comes, I mean, there's potentially a lot of good that could come out of the Brexit vote, potentially, he said optimistically. It would be it would be this idea that the people of Wales ain't going to take it anymore, mm. and that politics has to really radically change, and I would argue become much more focused on community yeah. prospects than anything else. I see little evidence of that so far, but I'm optimistic that that's one reading is, particularly if the UK goes into this kind of, this vision of maze of low tax, you know, um, kind of corporate oriented able investment. Wales will will not gain from that at all. We just won't. It's not looking good, is it? No. And so we have. We, there's a chance, particularly if we have more and more of a control of our own taxes and our own way of doing business, that we can actually say, you know what? The honestly, people in Wales ain't going to get richer at the same rate as Ireland. Ain't going to happen. Just be honest about be it. Be honest, but. Because of that, we are going to concentrate on making sure social function remains intact. Welfare is protected, yeah. old people are protected, vulnerable people are protected, and that's what we're going to focus on. And you know what? You want to have a BMW, maybe. But but you'll have a community. Unless you is that keep going with that, that cannabis farmer. Oh, yeah. indeed, yeah, yeah. Cannabis farmers are still Is that um, something that's perhaps going to happen, you know, beyond Wales and globally, like... With the way that you know, capitalism is going and stuff, then it may actually force people's hands. I, well, I mean, you, you see, you, you can't you have see parts of I mean, Yeah, I mean, there is. Um, I mean, the the fact that our our economic model is is, is broken from a planetary perspective is is, is obviously subject of another podcast. Yeah. Um, the, there the, go, the there's prob- the hook. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is that there are two ways that can go. You get a restructuring of the capitalist model along the. The, the kind of lines of like Paul Mason talking about, you know, um, in his book, or you can get a, an ever greater stratification between rich and poor, where the rich try and grab more. And as a guy called Peter Turgeon writes about this, he said the end of empires. When empires stop growing, stop grabbing resources, what happens is the elites have to grab more and more of the cake. Mm, yeah. The cake is shrinking. You know, the people at the bottom get less and less and less, yeah. and then you know what? It all falls over in a very ugly and usually bloody way, yeah. um, because elites don't tend to engage in redistribution of wealth yeah. at a time when they're not getting richer. You know, and so you could get this, you know, as you see in the US, you see in, see in other countries, this this increased stratification, stratification of society, income inequality increasing, because America is, is getting poorer you know, effectively relative, relative to much of the rest of the world, and and that. Is putting increasing strains on you know Medicaid, Medicare, yeah. healthcare, you know more generally, and that's going that's going to fall over at some point. And how it falls over, or whether they actually go back from the precipice and think more about yeah. you know God save us, you know redistribution of wealth, so that you don't get people starving literally next to people who are you know yeah. forced swimming pools or whatever. And then you know there's a way out of it for them, but not the direction they're going now. I don't think it is to this extreme, but I mean, you notice in Cardiff, not extreme wealth, but clearly massive disparities in wealth within the community I live in between, you know, you've got homelessness on the rise in Cardiff, things like that. To what extent do you think there's, um, we're getting, are we getting our own strata of, you said it before, you know, the people who were removed from the decision making, is that... One of the strengths of, of Wales, and that, that hasn't yeah, yeah. hasn't necessarily happened so far. Uh, absolutely, I mean, in a way, it's it's good that for that reason alone, it's good that we don't have this kind of CEO class in Wales. Yeah, because at least people who are, do live in Wales do have, and, and the cultural stuff is important as well. I think I mean, yeah. then that cohesion does exist much more in Wales than other places, which I think is is a is a point of difference and a, and a point of optimism. In that, I do genuinely believe that you know the vast majority of people who live in Wales want Wales to prosper. Mm. You know, and that's not true of everywhere. Yeah, you think like London, and all people who live in London simply because it's a good hub to get around, and they've got a really nice house, you know, and a nice street, and yeah. they actually don't care about the place. They'll move on. Where, you know, yeah, that's not true of Wales. Yeah, I think the problem is that, the, for, again, for historical reasons, for kind of British state reasons, the structures that we have, institutions that we have. Don't let people make a positive difference in the way that they could. I mean, you know, I, I had a conversation with a civil servant who's now long left saying that he worked, you know, he worked for the Welsh government. He said, you know, you could you could waste ten million quid on a European project that made no difference and nobody would care, but if you sent something down to the archive in the wrong colour folder, they'd be on the phone within seconds saying, "Where the hell have we sent this down in a yellow folder? It should be Manila," you know? Yeah. Because that's that's the, that's the tick box kind of mentality which. Dave Graeber's really good on this bureaucracy yeah. you know that just grow and they give this kind of process becomes 
absolutely um, uh, the primary thing. And so even within the Welsh Government, which is you know, stuffed full of really good people, particularly in you know, the Environment Department, there's lots of work with, they, they don't have the space to make a difference. And they're scared to make a difference. Um, and, and that's really unfortunate. And without, and, and again, in, in a way this comes back to personalities, without a strong steer from the very top of the politicians, that risk-taking, you know, for the public good is to be rewarded. Yeah. Uh, and with the, you know, and you know what? Yeah, the Western men are going to have a go. You know, and I've had many phone calls from the BBC who said, oh, you know, I can't believe um, the Welsh can put £100,000 into Swansea Cork Ferry. It's gone bust again. And if so, what? You can't pick one investment. Mm. You know, if you tell me the finance bills over 10 years hasn't delivered, that's fine. Yeah. But don't come to me with an example of one investment that you want to nail the Welsh men to the wall on because every investment's a risk, you know? And of course, the press, whether it's BBC or whether it's on you know, which we got, they are only too ready to play the public value, public, you know, value for money. Yeah, money wasting part. money. Whereas in fact, sometimes, you know, you can't make omelettes without breaking eggs. And so we have to somehow find a way to give politicians and probably find, you know, a first minister who's prepared to take those risks. And if we can do that, we can make progress. But this is, this is kind of a, you know, this is a joint prospect. It's not yeah. just at the politician, is it? No, it's, it's about... the servant. Right, we're going to... We're gonna rip it up. We're gonna rip, rip it up. Rip. We're gonna tear this up. All your ideas are far better than my idea for rejuvenating the Welsh economy, which I always used to think, well, we could just go to Sweden. I think Sweden and just somehow incentivise the Swedes to come and move to and like outbreed us or something like that and just start start again. I went to the Basque Country to do a bit of research on Spark a couple of years ago, and I came back and when people ask me what's the lesson for Wales from from the success of the Basque Country, which is thirty percent richer. The rest is spinning average. I said the lesson is be Basque. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Can't beat them. Just literally yeah. steal them, <laughs> yeah. die, and be reincarnated. Yeah. <laughs> um, Calvin, absolutely fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on. Hopefully, we'll have another episode. We talk more about renewables and energy things yeah, like I'd that. Like yeah, you go. He said it. Now we can't. Yeah, can't go back. Um, in, <laughs> um, anyone you'd like to give a shout out to? I know you're a seasoned media star, but I. Is there anyone you'd like to give a, a shout out to on the podcast? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, in, a, in a way, I'd like to give a shout out to um, my own department here, this in College Business School, because we are all this stuff I've talked about. Colleagues here are really aware of, and we're in the middle of, of reinventing this school as a as a place which is about creating social as well as economic value, which is a big thing for a business school. Absolutely. Uh, and, 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 and and my boss here is, is is really keen that we educate our students in a way which makes them into the civically engaged, aware, responsible people that maybe we're not they're not at the moment or we're not training them maybe at the moment. And we're gonna concentrate on research on things which are which matter at the bottom end of all these scales. And and just watch this space. I hope that we'll be a much more involved actor in this sort of stuff going forward. Brilliant. I hope we get hope we can get some money off them for you plugging it. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be Nathan, any shout out? Um, well, I can't think of any immediate ones. I've been playing those of Resident Evil lately and pre ordered the new one, which is due out next Tuesday, so I might give a shout out to the Resident Evil series, as, as abstract as that is. It's getting more and more niche. It is. I, I, don't, I keep thinking I'm playing like these kind of apocalyptic games in like preparation for everything. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the, yeah, the more you do that, the worse. Yeah, yeah. Apocalyptic combat. Yeah. Play The Last of Us, we can watch uh, The Road and stuff. Oh, not the road, I yeah. still haven't seen The Road or read it. Don't. Don't. It oh, you know, it really cheered me up because I was reading in the bath. I was like, ah, they've got no running water. I'm in the bath. <laughs> what are your shout outs, Dan? Have you got any? Um, I wanted to do a right wing uh, bio. Oh, I was doing right wing bio um, on those pages. But I can't think of any. How just just one because I know people like him. Yorkshire born and bred, Leeds beer, kids, wife in that order. Ex national front member, UKIP, EDL, Britain is full, refugees not welcome. Actually, I think I said that one before. They haven't updated it for like last. Oh, maybe like, but like they're so interchangeable, aren't they? West Ham man, cocaine fan, and pro <laughs> and pro Muslim ban. That's a you right an interesting one. Yeah. Shout out to Graham as usual. Yeah. Shout out to my family. That's it. We're gonna have a lot of experts coming on uh, in the next few weeks. So. Please stay tuned and thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone that's been bumping us. Thanks to Ditya and, and, and all the people who have been retweeting. And give us a like on Facebook. And we'll be posting more links on Facebook and Twitter and things like that. So until next time, thanks very much. Yeah, see you next week. Cheers. Bye. What up? Are you ready for the best idea ever? Do you have money? Do you want even more money? Well, guess what? We've got a great idea for you. 
I no, I told you not. Just gonna stay out of my peripheral through the hole. Two, one, fight milk. The first alcoholic dairy-based protein drink for bodyguards. Bye, bodyguard! I drink it every morning so I can fight like a crowd. Just get out of the way. There we go. It's, it's all about the product shot. What do I stand? Uh, don't do the whole thing. I want them to see the whole thing. Fight milk! Rose! Milk! Made fresh! By bodyguards and Charlie. What up? Watch his profit soar high as a crow! Watch your profits soar high as a crow! Oh, sorry. Wait, I thought we said profits I was gonna... Go. Yeah, go with your right. To the right hand. All right, anyway, who wants to invest?